This is Nightmares of the Americas, Indigenous Tales. The show will start in three, two, one. May 5th is a national day of awareness for missing, murdered Native women and girls. So in lieu of that, we are going to release the entire Willie Pickton series this week. The following four weeks, we're going to take a deep dive into Mesoamerica. We are also doing a t-shirt giveaway, so don't forget to get in on that. On Instagram and TikTok, go ahead and follow us at Indigenous underscore Tales, and you can win a free t-shirt. All you have to do is comment, like the post, Tag someone, and you will be entered into the drawing. So don't forget to check that out. Also, check out our merch store at indigenoustales.threadless.com. So please rate and review us, give us all the good stuff, and please enjoy the show. At least 65 women disappeared from Vancouver's downtown east side between 1978 and 2001. A man known as Willie Pickton owned and operated a pig farm in nearby Port Coquitlam during this time. He was eventually charged with the murder of 26 women. However, he claimed the number was closer to 50. This monster was convicted on six charges and sentenced to life in prison. While in prison, Willie wrote a manuscript that was later sent to a publisher who titled the book Pickton in his own words. Willie's farm became the largest crime scene Canada has ever seen and led to the largest serial killer investigation in the history of the country. During this investigation, the public became aware of a larger issue that had been plaguing Canada, the issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. A government inquiry later concluded that blatant failures by police was a large factor including prejudice against sex workers, sex trade, the homeless, and racism against indigenous women led to a massive tragedy. Join us in today's serial killer edition of Nightmares of the Americas. I'm Joseph. I am and the host. No, don't don't talk. Ah. Gabriel's gone. I kicked him out. He's dying today. He's sick. He's under the weather. So I have someone next to me. His name is um, Gabriel... <laughs> There's one of those French guys, those uh, Jesuits. That's not a French accent. (laughs) (laughs) We still can't do French accents. 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 You know those accents. You know those assets. Yeah, those. Man. I'm feeling a little under the weather. I'm fine, though. It looks a little tickle in my throat, a little, how you say, infection. How you say, it's a lovely day. (laughs) Yeah. How you say, thank you for helping me. What are you, Michael Scott over here in Canada? That's what we're doing. How you say... Jimothy. Yeah. He's all Jim, James, Jimothy. <laughs> Sounds kind of weird. Um, would you, can I call you Jim? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, it's been a wonderful time. Wonderful week. Wonderful day. Yeah. Wonderful everything. We're back. Last week's episode was the first time that we had a extended episode on Patreon. So if you guys are a patron, which we have another patron who signed up for the little indigenous creatures tier, mm-hmm. then you would have heard the entire episode of last week. For everyone else, you heard the standard episode. So please jump on our Patreon. Go ahead and follow the show notes on the bottom. Click on a link and join our Patreon. We're also recording a bonus episode today. Bonus, bonus, bonus. bonus it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be a cooking episode. Welcome <laughs> to the chef, Chef Jacquil. Jacquil. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. I studied in La France. He sounds like a stand up guy. I don't know. <laughs> or it's going to be Swedish chef. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. 
if you guys would like a free sticker, all you have to do is go to your wonderful favorite podcasting platform, whether it be iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, mm-hmm. iHeartRadio, all the other ones, Audible, and just leave a five-star review or a really awesome review. And then you just send us a screenshot to info at behillnetwork.com. We'll go ahead and send you a sticker if you give us your address. And it's a free sticker. Yeah, completely free. And I am waiting on our new stickers that has a little QR code. It's a really cool sticker. So if you guys would like that, just, you know, go ahead and just hook us up with a five-star review. And I know what you guys are thinking. You're thinking, when are they going to talk about the t-shirt giveaway? When are they going to talk about the t-shirt giveaway? Well, we I'm doing a, it. We're doing it right now. Yeah, we got a lot of people in this giveaway. Probably like two people. We probably have a whole <laughs> two people. Two and a, a half. No, there's a lot. Our, our Instagram people. blew up. We have Our Instagram has three and a half people. <laughs> that sounds so weird. Hoff. The Hoff. The Hoff. Hasselhoff. Oh, I love a Hasselhoff. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of people on this in this giveaway. Because our Instagram is kind of do it's doing its thing, you know, and it's kind of hopefully you guys are sharing and people are following us that way. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of people on our Instagram giveaway contest. So if you want to be one of them and you haven't done it yet, go ahead and go to our Instagram, go to our TikTok, go ahead and just boom, 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 like, subscribe to us, follow all that nonsense on either platform. Like the we have like three posts I think that are on our Instagram. I don't know how many posts we have on our TikTok. Maybe just one. I think yeah, it's just just one. one. Go ahead, just say, hey, uh, I'm here. I love you guys. Thank you, guys. And then tag whoever you want to tag. If you tag up to five people, we'll give you five entries. You can tag more than five, but we're only going to give you five. Yeah. So tag 100 people, we'll still give you five. Just so it's fair. Yeah, we're trying to make this equal for everybody else. And we're trying to hook you guys up. And all you guys will do is, the once we announce the winner, which will be the first week of February, you will go to our merch store. We'll send you a link. You go there. Bada bing, bada boom. Pick out your shirts. Say, oh, this is the one I want. This is the size I want, color I want. Send us that information along with your address. We will get that mailed out to you, and you will have a shirt within a couple of weeks. So these are made to order. So it will take a couple of weeks at least, two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Don't ex- don't think that it's going to be a couple of days because this is how we keep it affordable is we have it a made-to-order system. Yeah. Robert William Willie Picton is a Canadian serial killer and former pig farmer. He is suspected of being one of the most prolific serial killers in Canadian history. So you and me were both, um, I would say, well-versed in the true crime world. We know a lot about different serial killers. The Green River Killer, who we'll talk about in this episode as well. The the Scranton Strangler. Oh, the Scranton. (laughs) It was Toby. I think it was. I think it was Toby. Honestly. That's why he felt guilty. He put another man in jail. Mm -hmm. I knew it was Toby. Yeah. But this one was a little... I never heard of this one until we started talking about doing it for the episode. Oh, you never heard about Willie Picton? No. Good old Pigman. Yeah. Hmm. I've heard of, you know, everyone knows, you know, Jack the Ripper or like you said, the Hillside Strangler, all those. The Green River Killer. Yeah. John Wayne Gacy, the Killer Clown. The Killer Clown. Jeffrey Dahmer. Everyone knows Dahmer now because of that new show that came out. I haven't seen it. No. Because it's full of lies. We knew it before it was cool. It's full of lies. (laughs) But yeah, so this one was a little different. I The Vampire of Sacramento. Yep. So Colin the Night Stalker. No, oh, keep keep naming Night- names. <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows who that is. I don't think everyone knows who the Night Stalker is unless they're from California. Hmm. I don't think so. I don't know. I know who he is. Yeah. My yeah. wife has no idea. I just start naming names and I'm all, we'll have this book. And she's like, Where'd you get that book? And I'm like, it's been there for 
I don't know, like <laughs> 10 years? It's been there forever. She's all it has a pentagram. And I go, oh, gosh, Whoa. get out of here with your nonsense belief of- Get it out of my house. Spiritualism. <laughs> I don't talk to her like that. She'd hit me. Oh. Calling the Picton Place a farm back in 1995 is probably a nice way of putting it. The property at 963 Dominion Road, across the road from a new shopping center, was nothing more than a junkyard of old cars. The Picton brothers, among their many interests, were in the dirt-moving business. Their shabby white clipboard farmhouse needed painting and repair. The wooden outbuildings, a rickety mess of garages, workshops, and sheds, always seemed to be on the verge of collapse. So yeah, that's another thing I was reading there. These people lived like hillbillies, the junkyard gang from <laughs> Fat Albert. It was like, yeah, hillbillies. It was just so dirty. Was just well, Willie was really, there. really, Willie would collect all these old cars and just try to salvage them. <laughs> and then his brother, which I'll, I guess I'll let you say his name, his brother, Dave, Dave, he was into the dirt movement. He would move all the topsoil. Yeah. Because they had acres and acres and acres mm. of land. Oh, well, move some dirt. That's not how we talked. Yeah, you would. <laughs> That's how I picture how we talked. Well, we'll get into it. When you start <laughs> talking about him, I'll let you know how, okay. we, how we talked. A shanty that had housed a pig pen had fallen down completely, and no one had bothered to tidy up the mess. With no place to keep the pigs, Robert was now stuffing the the live piglets he that he bought every week at animal auctions into a small horse trailer until he got around to slaughtering them. Only an unpainted, hip roof Dutch barn looked as if it could have lasted only a few more years. I've always wanted a pig as a pet, but I heard they'll eat you alive if you like pass. I wanted to have a pig farm. <laughs> really? we were, yeah, we were going to move move out of California because the market was just like booming. Mm-hmm. Everything was going up. My house jumped up like a hundred percent. Jeez. So I was like, I have a lot of money in equity in this house. To the pig farm. Let's sell it. Move to Georgia. There was like these huge, like 15, 20 acre farms that were like 250,000, 300,000. God. So I was like, let's get one of those and get a bunch of pigs and mm-hmm. I'll be a pig man. <laughs> Wear some overalls with nothing under them. Yeah. Go shoot some deer, shoot some animals <laughs> on property, slaughter some pigs, eat bacon all the time, mm. die at a ripe old age of 58. I'm in. <laughs> a ripe old age of 58. And we didn't complain about it back in my day either. No. We died of a massive coronary at 56 and we shut the hell up and liked it. (laughs) (laughs) The Picton farm was infamous and not just because it was a mess. People knew that the Pictons who were making a fortune selling off chunks of the land to real estate developers could have easily afforded to keep the farm in good repair. It just never occurred to them. They just didn't care. They loved living in this filth. That was just how they were brought up. Not to mind a little mess. This property wasn't the family's original farm. Helen and Leonard Francis Picton, the parents of David, Robert, and Linda, had inherited a family homestead a few kilometers west on the other side of town in a larger adjoining community of Coquitlam. Helen and Leonard called it L.F. Picton Ranch, Poultry and Pigs. The address in those days was 2426 Pitt River Road, but it later changed to 2426 Cape Horn. Today, much of this land is crammed with tract housing, but the area of those days was like a vast park blessed with woods, fields, and streams, bears that roamed around through the forest around the new hospital. Although the communities here, east of Vancouver, were always mostly working class, their situation in those days was as favored as any in that area. The river brimmed with salmon. Wild blackberry bushes competed 
with abundant harvest from the fields and gardens, and the climate was mild. The coast mountains of the north and the Cascade Mountains to the south along the Canada-United States border girdled the entire area except the western side toward Points Grey. The Picton children, Leonard, Harold, Clifton, and Lillian, went to Millside Elementary School, which had been built in 1905 at 1432 Burnett Street in Coquitlam, and the family attended church services at St. Catherine's Angelican Church in Port Coquitlam. So they were a good old church-going family. They were. The dad was an immigrant that got there and... I think he moved from England, right? He moved from England. He yeah. had a bunch of brothers, and he was just a good old-fashioned man that just liked to work and shut up. And shut <laughs> and go to church on Sunday. That's what he liked to do. He would just work and shut up. Hmm. Lillian married and left the farm. Clifford wound up running a nursing home called the Royal Crescent Convalescent Home, and Harold became a night watchman at Flavel Cedar, a local lumberyard. When Leonard finally inherited the property... He stayed on the farm, although his brothers built houses on lots carved out of the property. During the 1940s, Leonard, the father, was engaged to be married, which shocked his family members. Even more shocking was his new bride-to-be was 16 years younger than him. Their eldest was born in 1948, Robert, who was called Robbie, and then later, almost always called Willie, followed on October 24, 1949, and then his brother David a year later. Willie's birth was difficult. He was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck, and his family wondered afterwards if that had caused some kind of brain damage. That's very typical with people who become serial killers. They either have like a head injury or some kind of... They must often have head injuries. They have loss of oxygen where they either pass out or come back. And, yeah, and, and it's they, like, it's it's a very, it's a long... It's like it loss triggers of oxygen, something. Oxygen. Yeah. Or it's all that frontal lobe damage. Because that kind of controls your judgment. And your, your your impulses? You're right, right from wrong. Yeah, so it's like, once that gets clicked off, it's like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. So I have a theory about that. Hmm. Lead poisoning. No. Well, well we <laughs> could talk about lead poisoning because I can get into that too. All the lead is what caused it. Well, why do you think we have unleaded fuel now? Hmm. We have paint that doesn't have lead in it. Yeah. But I'll, I'll talk about something else. I have a theory about that. So okay. I think there's like this collective unconsciousness. That everybody is a part of, and that's how you hmm. kind of see the world. And let's call it a cloud, if you will. And then when somebody gets bonked in the head really hard, and mm-hmm. their frontal lobe gets all, their prefrontal cortex gets all jacked up, then it kind of takes them off of the cloud, and now they're running, they're running without a backup here. Hmm. That's an interesting And thing. I think that's what it is. Hmm. Because we're all part of the same system, what is man. <laughs> what if is you it called? take a whole bunch of mushrooms and then you just see the creator, you'll understand that we're all connected. <laughs> I saw the trees breathe. Breathe? They were breathing. Like the trunk or the the leaves were breathing? The whole tree. The tree was just all... <sighs> you ever seen Avatar? Yeah. Yeah. I was doing that. Exactly. You stuck your hair in it and it started talking to you? No, it was just talking to me. It was just like... <laughs> Hey, everybody. Ew. I don't I'm like that. really tired. <laughs> I'm like, really, Mr. Tree? Yeah, oh. don't talk to me like this because everybody's going to see you talking to me. Drop me some lemons, Mr. Tree. Oh, okay, Mr. <laughs> Tree. I'll keep your secret safe. Hmm. Oh, no, I just... Oh, you told everybody. I just told everyone. Hmm. It's like another thing. People say they have, like, Factor X. It's like this weird gene or whatever that that... 
certain people have, and it just makes them serial killers. Have you heard of that? I have not heard of that. It's the first time hearing it. Hmm. But there was nothing wrong with Willie's memory. It has always been remarkable. One of his earliest recollections, he always tells people, is of being only two years old, living in what he had been called a chicken coop, and having to lift a floorboard under his bed to get cold water from a spring that ran below it. It was the only running water in the house for years. This little pig boy was sleeping <laughs> in a chicken coop. I'm thirsty, mama. I mean, I'm going to lift this floorboard. I'm not going to make fun of a little kid, but this guy's like a piece of garbage, so I'll make fun of him. <laughs> so I can see this little dirty, scroungy, mangy little child, and he's over there like, oh, man, I sure am thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm going to go over here and lift, <laughs> lift this thing. Oh, lift, oh there's, there's a wetness right there. I think it's water. I drink water. And then he got chicken poop, and he's, you know, he's uh, peeing in it and everything. He better, be, he better not be going upstream, or he better not be going yeah. downstream. It better be upstream. You can get really sick from that. Giardia. All the diseases. Yeah. Just poop yourself to death. That beaver disease. Yeah. (laughs) He also likes to tell people all the time when he was just three years old that he crashed his father's truck loaded with pigs and he crashed it into a tree. He was sitting on the driver's side of his father's 1940 maple leaf truck, a Canadian made General Motors vehicle beloved by farmers in the 1930s and 40s. Today, a maple leaf truck is a collector's item, but back then, it was just plain. Pretty much everybody had them. It was a solid workhorse of a truck. <laughs> okay, time to shift, Daddy. He's over here hitting in the clutch, shifting. Yeah. He's all moving around three years old. God. He's a little guy. I don't know how big he was at three years old. I guess he had the uh, a phone, phone book yeah, and then something. some bricks tied to his feet at three years old. Well, if he did that, he's pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Years later, in 1991... Picton described the incident in detail to a pen pal named Victoria when he sent her an audio letter he called Bob's Memoirs. So that was another thing that I read. He he was very fond of like pen pals. He loved pen pals. Yeah. We don't he, do we don't do that anymore. We he just, never had a friend. Well, texting, I guess texting. Well, back in the nineties. It's like a pen pal, I'll text you. Well, back in the nineties, that was a big deal. I remember <laughs> being in, in school in like ninety-three or ninety-four, and everybody would be like, okay, the teacher would come out, okay, we're gonna we're gonna write to China. Oh I'm god. Like, I don't think they understand us. And like, well, they'll write in English. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, we're stupid. Because we're gonna write yeah. to the third third grader or fourth grader, and they're gonna understand what we're talking about. Hmm. That was normal. It, <laughs> it was a big thing back then. <laughs> What would you write them? Just how's it going over there? I don't. Or yeah, just like, you would just. And then they would never write back. Mother sick, <laughs> and the war is still going on. Father, <laughs> father hasn't come back yet. Father's been lost in the war. Brother has taken a new bride, but she lost her foot today. We would just. I don't know. We would just be like, hey, you seen this new show called Pokemon? And then my dad's all, they had it before us. And the all, Pokemans. He's all, it gives you seizures. Don't watch that show anymore. Oh, it did. Transformers like, gave you seizures. Oh, no, uh, dad. Power Rangers gave you seizures. I don't think so. And he's all, stop watching that demon show. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Sorry, pops. I'm just trying to hang out with little Billy. <laughs> I don't know why we were English or. Uh, we had Cockney accents. Yeah, I don't know why we were like, leave it to Beaver. Usually it was like, shut the hell up. Then he just hit us with the stick. No. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I'm fine. Our daddy our daddy beat us to death. It was fine. No. I only died twice. To death. <laughs> yeah, so I only died twice. It's okay. Yeah, but we, we, would, have, we would have pen pals all the time. Hmm. And then you could also get, we would buy those. All right, everybody, I'm going to show my age. <laughs> so if you had a Game Genie. I remember those. So yeah. a Game Genie for Nintendo, what it was, was it was this. This 
sleeve cartridge that you would put inside of your video, your Nintendo, mm-hmm. and then you would put your regular Nintendo cartridge inside of that Nintendo cartridge and then push it down. Talk about NES, not yeah. Super NES, just regular Nintendo. And you would put it in there and then it would ask for codes. Well, it, usually you only had one friend who had a magazine with the codes in it. So they would take that little magazine to school and everybody would write down all the codes. <laughs> And then you would go home and be like, oh, man, this isn't the right codes. Or, oh, yeah, I got unlimited lives. Or I got, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And in the back of that magazine, they had pen pals. Oh, really? Yeah, you could write people about video games. Hmm. The pen pals were a huge thing back then. Girl, how do I beat Mario Brothers? And then, yeah, you would write them. But turns <laughs> out you were writing Willie Picton, who was like a, <laughs> a 45-year-old pig He's farmer all, well, who was killing a bunch of <laughs> hookers. I'll tell you how to beat it. You bury the body. They were killing a bunch of <laughs> sex workers. Oh, this guy. And they're talking to your they're talking to your 12-year-old son. Remember mm-hmm. that, everybody. <laughs> Keep <laughs> your kids safe. Don't let them talk to anybody. No. Stranger danger. A year later, his mo- his mother caught Willie smoking a cigarette and forced him to smoke a cigar to cure him for good. And it worked. That was the last cigarette I ever had, he said, years later. So she just <laughs> forced your you're gonna smoke this cigar all the way past the band. You're just gonna smoke it. I don't know if that would work on me. No, I used to steal mom's cigarettes in like '97. <laughs> she doesn't know that. I guess she's gonna find out today. I used to, me and uh, our so cousin, I knew it. Me and my cousin Marianne, we used to swipe her smokes oh, and would smoke the whole thing. But the funny thing is, we didn't know how to smoke because we were like in sixth grade. So we would just you weren't inhaling. We weren't inhaling. We were just puffing on them. And Wasting we just tobacco. wasted the entire pack. Wasted a dollar fifty, <laughs> and then we swept them all up and threw them away. But she didn't remember. It was fun. You guys didn't smell like smoke. Cigarette smoke? Mom used to smoke all the time. Everything smelled like oh, smoke. Yeah, so she couldn't tell. Hmm. Yeah, joke's on her. It's your fault. Remember that? It's your fault. <laughs> joke's on you, cigarette smoker. Yeah, it's all right. By anyone's standards, Helen Picton was strange. She didn't just look weird. She behaved outside the norms of convention almost all the time, too. And as she got older, her eccentricity became legendary. To start with, there's no getting past how she looked and how she talked. Like Leonard, she didn't pay attention to her teeth, and eventually most of them rotted out, so she didn't have any. <laughs> so she was just gumming everything down. Yeah, she was nomming it up. I would be so sad if I lost my teeth. She lost most of her hair and covered the remaining wisp with her handkerchief. Her chin sprouted so many hairs, she developed a little goatee that neighborhood children had never forgotten, and they would also make fun of her about it. <laughs> She's a bearded lady. <laughs> and she had a high-pitched voice. Ew. So she had a shrill voice and she had a goatee. She was asking for and it. And she was bald. So she was like, <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> sound like a chicken. <laughs> that's, a, that's how I picture her sounding. Because <laughs> she would talk real fast Ew. and she had, a, she had a high pitched voice, no teeth. Yeah, sound like a turkey or a chicken with no head. That's how I picture her sounding. One kid said that that would blow his mind when he was a kid. Remembers one time who occasionally that when he visited the farm as a child, I would just say to myself, why don't you just cut it off? And he remembers Helen's voice, a persistent high screech, (laughs) like you just said. (laughs) She would say, I can't do the voice because my throat. She'd say, you kids get over here now. (laughs) That's what she'd say. You kids get over get over here right now. An amino, bald-headed, bearded lady, get away from me. 
No one remembers seeing her in her shoes either, just a pair of men's thick rubber gum boots. She waddled like a duck, another former neighbor says. <laughs> she was asking for she it. She was a character. Yeah. She, well, she didn't give a crap. Why would she care about you? She got a pig farm. She has a husband. She has kids. She, she has work to do. She was happy. She has work to do. She has to go slop the pigs or, and then clean out all the muck and then take care of the chickens. <laughs> she was stout and short with a round face. Helen always wore a cotton headdress over a pair of men's jeans. When it rained, she put an old jacket on of Leonard's. He dressed in much the same kind of costume as his wife, a grubby t-shirt hanging over dirty heavy, blue jeans rolled over black rubber boots, and a beat-up old hat. Two of Helen's children, Linda and Dave, who were also round-faced and short, resemble her, while Willie, tall and narrow-faced with long pointed nose, looks like his father. Rat-faced, people would say. Like he was a little rat man. <laughs> I'd rather look like that than have be bald with no teeth, no hair, waddling like a duck. I don't know. He's tearing up his mom. Well, she's dead, so. (laughs) Spoilers. (laughs) She's an awful person, too. We'll get into that. Don't root for her. The strongest memories that former neighbors have of Helen today are associated with the family's house on Dawes. The smell, the mess, the dirt, all of it. Helen didn't care if the farm animals, chickens, ducks, dogs, even the occasional pig or cow that they raised, roamed in and out of the house as they pleased. So I think... (laughs) Like me, I have dogs. They go in the house sometimes to go to the bathroom. I think that's bad. I can imagine like chickens, ducks, pigs, cows just walking in your house, plopping a big old poop right there. They wouldn't clean it up either. She's all good poop. They wouldn't clean it up. They would leave their house just a mess. There would be dirt everywhere from their boots. They wouldn't take off Hmm. their boots. They lived in just filth and they were fine with it. One man's treasure is another man's pig pen, I guess. Oh, goodness. I guess so. Mark Twain. He said that. 2075. (laughs) It was basically a pig farm, and anyone who has lived downwind of them knows that the smell of fresh pigs and manure is like piercing and foul, clogging the back of your throat, sticking like scum to your hair and skin. I don't mind the smell of pig poop, like on a farm, like when we go to the county fair and stuff like that. It doesn't bother me. It bothers my wife. She don't like it. You're just going to walk around in pig crap and think it's fun? <laughs> I'm not going to walk around in it, but if a pig, like if I'm at a farm or something, you expect it to smell like animals. I guess. There's pig poop right by your foot, just saying. Oh, Don't man, no, I'm going to clean it up. <laughs> because the kids had to slop up the 200 pigs and clean out their pens before and after school, they stank too. They also cleaned up after eight cows that the family milked by hand. In his tape letter to Victoria, Willie said his father delivered the milk to their neighbors. So once a week or so, the kids might have a bath. And uh, Willie was, like, terrified of water for some reason. He just didn't like it. You could splash water on him and he would just be, like, freak out and start squealing like a pig. Reminds me of Pigpen from Charlie Brown. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He, he hated water. So, ah, water! And he had this high, he had the high-pitched voice just like his mother. <laughs> it was impossible to get rid of the smell on Willie. Neighboring farmers called Leonard Piggy, and he never seemed to mind. This was their nickname for him, and he kind of accepted it. But the local kids called the boys the same thing, and that hurt them. Their own memories of those years are not cozy and warm or fond. Even while she was obviously a mess and a rather odd person, Helen wanted her kids to go to Sunday school and birthday parties and ride the bus, just like the other children. She wanted them to blend in. Helen had some understanding that it was important for Linda to be like the other kids, to have nice clothes, to be included. The same rules didn't apply to the boys, though. 
They didn't have to go to Sunday school. They rarely played with other kids and they hung out together. And when they weren't slopping pigs, they would run wild in the woods around the farm. So yeah, it's like boys will be boys. It's like, come on. Uh, they would make the sister go to Sunday school. I'd be pissed. I'd be like, my brother's over there playing in the woods. I want to go over there. I don't want to go listen to this. Preacher. No, I don't think she thought that at all. She no, was like, she I get it? to be clean and not be dirty and disgusting like oh, the rest yeah. of you monsters. So I'm glad I have nice clothes and I'm glad I get to go to church and I'm glad I get to go to school clean. <laughs> I don't have to be disgusting like old Stinky Willie and Stinky Dave. <laughs> the rest of you monsters. Those monsters. I don't want to be like that. They're, they are monsters. <laughs> like their father, the children went to Millside Elementary on Burnett, where the salmon would come up from the Fraser Creek and spawn. The creeks ran through the farms, including the Picton's place, so the boys would fish all the time, sometimes with a few neighborhood children. These guys, they sound like Huckleberry Finn. They just sound like they ain't got no shoes on. Overalls. Well, this, was, this was the 50s? Yeah. So they yeah. probably their fishing pole was probably like a stick with a fishing line on it. The good old days. Yeah, I, I don't picture Willie with a fishing pole. I oh. picture him out there just trying to bite fish. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> just bite. He's all, the bears are doing it, Mama. <laughs> Mama, the bears are doing it. She's I'm a all, grizzly bear, Mama. She's all, Give me some salmon. No, salmon. Right away, Mama. He's okay, Mama. I'm gonna bite it. Dave's over there. All I don't. I don't know what's going on. As parents, it's clear that Helen and Leonard were appalling failures, to say the least. Still, Helen tried her own, own twisted way to do her best. She looked out for Willie in particular. If you would say, she babied him a lot. She treated him different than her other kids. Knowing that he had a harder time than the others, he was shy and school was almost always an ordeal for him. Robert, or Willie, did not do well in school. He was always behind and scored very low on his tests. In the second grade, he was held back, and by the time he made it to his next grade, in the school decided to put him in special ed classes for students who didn't learn as fast as the others. He remained in those classes for the rest of his years in school. So he was in special classes, which there's nothing wrong with that. If you had to go to special classes and you're listening out there... My son's in special classes. It's yeah, fine. there's nothing wrong with that. He needs he needs extra help. He's dyslexic. Yeah, so he needs help um, reading and. Back then, kids were to... jerks, though. Oh, they were. Well, when we were in school, kids were jerks. Yeah, like yeah, they. I know. Me and Mike, our older brother, we would we would stand up to a lot of these guys, and even we'd get in trouble. And then Dad would say, "Well, <laughs> what happened? They Kick, were... kicked his ass, Daddy. <laughs> were they make? What were they do? What? Why did they do? Well, they were making fun of that one kid, and he's you know he he's special." And we were just standing up for him. And I said, all right, you're not in trouble. Yeah. You were just waiting at the end of the day, flipping your coin with yeah. your leather vet, leather jacket on. You're all. No, I went to school in the 90s. So, <laughs> so I, had my, I had my puka shell necklace. Oh, uh, the my, puka shell. I had my puka shell necklace. And Listening I had to my, Blink-182. I had my Jenko jeans on. <laughs> <laughs> and well, hey, bro. You bullying that kid? We were like, hey, man, what's up? <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not cool, man. Yeah. that's What do you want to get fresh? Let's do it. want to get fresh. <laughs> oh, and then you had a pog battle. You pulled out your pogs. He said, "Dude, I've been hacky sacking all day, man. Oh god, and the these legs sacks. are ready to get kicking some more ass. Giant calf muscles from hacky sacking every day. It's a roundhouse kick. Oh, the nineties. That's where we're doing. <laughs> During these years, Willie's attendance was as regular as any of the other students. Clearly, his parents weren't putting up with any nonsense about skipping school or taking it easy when it came to his classes." His mother thought that he must have wanted to catch up desperately, so this is why she pushed him so much. Free time on the farm, what there was 
of what there was of after the chores were done was basically unsupervised. These kids would do whatever they wanted. School, on the other hand, was a nightmare, not just for Willie and for his brother, but for her, their sister as well. Part of the reason was that they were shunned by the other children. Most of them were doctor's kids who lived closest to them and would always make fun of them for not being clean and for having a weird smell that came from their house. Oh, those doctor's kids. My dad's a neurosurgeon. The Pictons, were, they were extremely wealthy. Yeah, they had money. That wasn't the issue. They just liked how they lived. They just didn't care. So more power to you. If you have money and you're like, I'm dirty on purpose. Give me that slop. I'm going to eat it myself. Yeah, but the kids, the kids <laughs> suffer and, and it's hard being a kid. I know. I remember getting, you know, I never got made fun of because I was always bigger than everybody and I would smash them. But Hulk smash. Yeah. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm bigger than you. <laughs> And then they'd be like, look how big he is. I'm like, what'd you say? They're like, nothing. 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 I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm just playing marbles over here. Yeah. I didn't say anything. <laughs> but I, there was always kids getting picked on. And we didn't have the bullying programs like today. Now it's like cyberbullying and texting bullying. Yeah, and- you, pu- you push somebody and they're like, they're cyberbullying me. <laughs> like, I don't think that's right, sir. I Get them a pamphlet. Hurry. Right. <laughs> Send them to the cyberbully counselor. There's a story you hear when local people get talking about the Pictons during the Dawes Hills years, and that when he was little, Willie used to crawl into the carcasses of gutted hogs to hide from people who were angry with him. I don't like these people picking on me. I'm going to my happy place. I'm being a, I'm being a pig. So you pulled a Han Solo. You I'm cut open the tauntaun. They, they took that from me. <laughs> the, the, George Lucas, he, he needed to pay me some money for that. I hated my hogs. <laughs> If this was true, the Picton family never admitted to it. Willie himself has told another story over and over again to anyone who would listen of an incident that devastated him when he was about 12 years old. He'd gone to a livestock auction with his parents and had enough money saved, $35, to buy a three-week-old black and white calf. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go get me a calf, mama. I'm going to call him Cookies and Cream. (laughs) Oh, now I want a calf named Cookies and Cream. But then I'm going to get hungry and we're going to kill it and <laughs> make hamburgers. Well, that's fine. You can do that too. Can you cook, Can you kill a calf? Veal. Veal? Oh, veal parmesan. Try the veal. Oh, man. Is it like so tough good. or is it? No, it's like butter. It's a baby cow. Huh. Oh, man. I don't just know how I feel about it. that. It's all delicious like. I guess if you served it to me, it didn't tell me. If you just told me it was like beef. It is beef. But like a grown beef, not a young beef. What do you think chicken is? I don't got beef with the young beefs. Chickens are only like three months old when you kill them. <sighs> I do love chicken. That's why it says young chicken. What do you think? They're out there. <laughs> no. They're looking all sexy like in their little outfits. <laughs> they're on their deathbed. They're yeah. all. They're, they're asking for right. it. This chicken lived to a ripe age of 95. We got to make some nuggets. That's how they do it. They wait till they're on their deathbed. No, we have old chickens. <laughs> you don't eat the old chickens. They're tough. How old are your chickens? I got some chickens that are five years old. But some chickens are, are like two years old and three years old. Egg chickens, though. Chicken, the way these egg prices are. Chicken, chickens lay eggs. No, I'm saying like you weren't, you're not going to eat them. Use them for eggs. Or are you going to eat them? I'm not eating them because they're old. Oh. I didn't get them for meat chickens. I got them <laughs> for egg chickens. You got to do respect by the old chickens and cook them up in a pot. As soon as they die, I throw them away because I'm not eating oh, an old feed chicken. Feed them to your dogs. I could grind them up, yeah. That's where the McRib comes from. Oh, I love a McRib. Oh, it's so good. It's never coming back to made me all sad. Is it really? That's what it said. (sighs) 
little side note. If anyone has ever gone to KFC about seven or eight years ago, maybe there was a thing called the double down. <laughs> it was a <laughs> Joseph's headphones flew off right now because he knows how good it is. <laughs> it was two fried chickens as the bun bacon inside of it, cheese, and then another cheese and then another cheese and some other cheese. And people were having heart attacks. So the Colonel had to put it away and they only had it for like a few months. I miss that sandwich. And I write my memoirs about it every now and then. <laughs> oh, our other brother, Mike, whenever we drive by the KFC, he'd start convulsing and shaking. It's all the double down. Let's go get one. <laughs> oh, gosh. We could probably make one homemade, but I mean. Oh, man, Mike. Yeah. He's, he's a character. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. Mike is a character. Oh. He orders nothing. He, he said. I don't order things on the menu. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, I just, I just, if they have it, I order it. And I go, well, yeah, that's how it works. He goes, no, no, no. Make no. up your own menu. He goes, they have a sausage, piece of sausage? Yes. I go, it's sausage McMuffin or a sausage biscuit? And he goes, yeah, yeah, but I'm not doing that. So I want a sausage patty. I want bacon. I want <laughs> egg. I want some McNuggets. And then I want this. And he keeps adding stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, they'll make it. Put a McFlurry on it. Put all, some. Uh, really? Like, and they do every time. And he goes, see, I told you. And then it's like 10 stories high. Oh, and God. he's just housing the whole thing in one bite. He's I, like, ha, 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 ha. I think it's a confidence thing because I've tried it. And they're like, we don't do that, sir. And I'm like, okay, let me get the number five, please. <laughs> just give up. Mike's like, no, I want it this way. And you're going to do it. And I'm going to stay in line until you do it. That's how I do it. <laughs> I'm like, do you have it? Yes. Then charge me for it. Put it on the burger and give it to me right now. I don't care how much it costs. <laughs> do you have it, right? You'll make it? Yes. Charge me for it. Charge it. <laughs> so Willie planned on keeping the calf for the rest of his life. He wanted to love it and take care of it. It was his little friend. He oh, wanted it as a pet. Yeah, good old cookies and cream. <sighs> he would rush home from school to feed it, and it was pretty much his best friend. But one day, when he returned home to feed his calf, he couldn't find it. He looked everywhere, but nothing. He looked in the house. He looked in the barn. He looked all over the property, but he couldn't find it. Everyone, he, he went around asking his whole family, like, I can't find my calf. And everyone told him that it must have just gotten out. And he replied, how could it get out of the door? The door is locked. So he had a little bit of smarts. He wasn't just like a dumb kid that was like, okay, mom, it got out. They said he was smart. Yeah. So he finally ran into the other barn that was on the other side of the property, and he burst through the doors. There, he found his calf hanging upside down butchered cookies and cream it died willie was so mad that he didn't talk to his family for three or four days and he locked himself in his room his mom tried to make him feel better by giving him an extra twenty dollars and told him that he can just go to another auction and buy another one but he wasn't having it at all he was like no i wanted to keep that calf for the rest of my life that's the one i wanted and i loved it that's sad. That's yeah. really hard. I mean, kind you of, take you take some kid's special pet away. He wasn't raising it to be food. He was especially, raising it to be his friend. Yeah, especially the, the way the family is. It's not like they were struggling for food to be like, we got to eat. They could. They had so much money. They could have went and bought another calf. Well, I read that his dad told him to go to the to the barn. Oh, he made it. He got to teach him. So the dad was like, he's all, hey, okay, Willie, go look uh, over Willie, there. Maybe it's in the barn. <laughs> you son of a bitch. And Willie's all. <laughs> Okay, Daddy, I go over there to the oh. barn, Daddy. I have to go look in the barn, Daddy. <laughs> so, but I don't know how because he got the, he don't have those hands. He yeah. has the special the special hands. And I think those are called hooves. 
And then all right, go 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 check it out, little Willie. <laughs> and Willie goes, Oh no! <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 Turn into an whoa, opera. Whoa. Oh no, my calf is hanging in the barn. <laughs> Oh, that boy's got a good voice over there. Willie, you got a good voice. You got a good... Now, shut up. Go get another calf. <laughs> and his mom's just over there, arr, arr, running around in circles. Willie, get a calf. Willie, calf. Willie, Willie, get a calf. $25, $20, And then that kid that's over there is just like, Helen, cut your beard. <laughs> like, this kid needs to go home. Get off our property. Slide whistle. Yeah, it's all... <laughs> cut cut your beard. Then does the... They were that was, they were a, they were a rough a rough bunch a rough bunch yeah. There's also a, another story about him at that age, although he's not one who tells it. A little girl who became his friend many years later remembers Willie today as a sweet little boy. At the time, his parents were selling their meat from the small store the locals called the Meat Locker, which they had opened on the north side. So they had like they they op- they got these commercial f- freezers, put them on the property, and they would just hold. Uh, other farmers or hunters meet in the freezer, charge them a fee, and just be like, well, hold it for you. And then whenever well, they wanted it, they'd come and get their meat. This was the 50s and 60s. So yeah. people don't remember this, but we do because <laughs> our parents and grandparents, stuff like that. We were in the war. They called, I, I don't know how many of you guys are out there, but my dad still calls it an icebox. Oh, God. Not so a refrigerator I. or not a freezer. Is that why I call it that? It's an icebox because you'd put ice in it. You wouldn't put, it wasn't a freezer. Hmm. So they would get hunks of ice and put it in there. So back then to, to have a commercial to keep it cold. So to have a commercial freezer, that was a huge deal. They were normal there. people didn't have freezers in their house. So they bought these huge industrial commercial freezers mm-hmm. and they kept all the meat in there and they would charge people for, you know, keep it Shoot. to store their meat there. That's smart. And they would just have a ticket. They were very good business people. Mm-hmm. They would have well, they were millionaires, so that yeah. make, that makes kind of sense. And they were working folk too. So they were working folk yeah. millionaires. They would they would you'd buy a side of beef or a or a half a hog or something like mm-hmm. that. They'd butcher it for you. Man. And you'd say, okay, well here's your ticket. How many pieces of <laughs> like pork chops do you want? You get your pork chops, they scratch it off, slap it back on your little put it back in your little box. You like have a, your receipt. A deli or like a little meat market. Yeah, well you come back and, and then it says, All right, well, I need pork chops. They go, Well, you can see right here mm-hmm. on the ticket. You ate all your pork chops, so yeah. you don't have pork chops left. Now you have, you know, ham hocks, you have oh, a ham, man. you have some leg, you have some other stuff. I want some thick cut black pepper honey ham with smoked apple and gouda. Well, you don't have that in your locker. So and we'll they were to- like, all right, sir, step right up. We're gonna- <laughs> they weren't those people. But- no. That's, that's just crazy, though. So they're that- really smart. So that yeah. their store did really well because they were able to have a freezer. Mm-hmm. The girl's name who told this story was Lisa Yelts. She said one day Willie looked at her with a big old smile and gave her a pack of hot dogs for free, like they were some kind of present or something. She says, I never forgot that. It would be almost 30 years later that the two would meet again where they would become best of friends. Hey, you want some hot dogs? <laughs> you want some hot dogs? I don't want some hot dogs. I don't know. I got some hot dogs. You want some hot dogs? From a dirty, stinky little boy, I don't know if I'd take hot dogs. These are dirty, stinky hot dogs, but you want some <laughs> hot dogs? They're good. They're good. You just put them in some water and they're good. <laughs> I can imagine that's what he did. Look at his big old greasy smile and his all nasty, probably got blood all over his forehead. But Is I guess he... he was nice to her. He didn't kill her. Yeah, so we, you don't got to get a bouquet of flowers for your for your lady friend. Just get her a pack of hot dogs. Oh, man. I wish someone would get me a pack of hot dogs. Nathan's <laughs> hot dogs. The kosher ones? Oh, man. 
with uh, cheese in them? No. And spam inside of them? No. The just, unkosher one? The beef? All beef? Yeah, just Nathan's hot dogs. Plain, good old-fashioned. What's kosher? Nathan hot dogs. Kosher's no beef. Kosher is no pork, and they I think they bless it. <laughs> they do. Why are you... <laughs> <laughs> the laws that govern kosher food deal with the food may be eaten, and those foods must be prepared. How they're prepared. The Hebrew word kosher literally means fit or proper, and the laws are biblical in origin. The Jewish people have applied them to their daily diet for a millennia. Hmm. So they said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, Santi. Meat and dairy cannot be eaten together. So no. Yeah, it can. If, if you get no, not if it, it won't be kosher. So you can't put the, you can't have no cheese dogs. I can. I'm not kosher. Be kosher. I'm not kosher. You asked me. <laughs> you told me about kosher. I just didn't know what it meant. I just want to go to I just want to go to Nathan's and then go eat some hot dogs. Mm. Coney Island. There's one in Vegas. No, I want to go to Coney Island. Like the real Nathan's. Yeah. The real real Nathan's. Yeah, have a good Killian's, a good Irish Red. Oh Ooh. man, a, a good old big giant. They have like a thirty-two ounce beer you could get there. It's a Jeez. huge monster beer in God. like a paper cup or like a plastic kind of cup, yeah. and then they give you your, like a big your hot dog. And your hot dog, you put some onions on it. You put some uh, some uh, some mustard. some kraut on it. Some ooh, some deli mustard. Mm. Oh, I'm watering my mouth. Watering right now. <laughs> and then you get some you get some chicken right right there. Ooh, you chicken get, on a hot dog. Oh man, you get some oysters. So you order some oysters. That's a lot of different things. It's Nathan's. (laughs) Okay. Go. You ever been there? You go. I've been there multiple times. (laughs) Loved it every time. By this time, it's 1963. The Roaring Sixties. Summer of Love. Bruce Springsteen. I (laughs) I don't know. I was going to say who was on the radio. The Beatles were all the rage. Oh, the Beatles. I'll say Rango. They're okay. Ringo and... The second Paul McCarthy. Paul, Paul McCarthy. McCarthy. <laughs> Make sure you go out and vote, ladies and gentlemen. It's for Paul, Paul McCarthy. McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> for the 27th district. Yeah. No, it was the second Paul McCart- McCartney. The first one. He died. Died. And so did John Lennon. Yeah, but the first Paul McCartney died. And then I feel the like Yoko had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. She killed him. She did. That son of a- His son makes good music. She killed him. She was in cahoots with that psychopath that shot him. Ugh. But that's for another another time. These are all conspiracy theories. Yes. Sorry, people. <laughs> During this time, Willie's sister, Linda, left the family. But who could blame her, right? She was not one to roll around in the filth like they would. She enjoyed going to church, school, and all that stuff. So she kind of felt like an outcast. She finished her eighth grade year and then moved with some relatives in Vancouver, Oh, good, Linda. Oh, I'm so she happy got that the she hell got out the of heck there. out of that crazy household. She went, goodbye, farewell. And she scurried on to that. She said, I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> That's true, because after that, she had little to nothing to do with the family from then on. She knew what was right for her. That girl was smart. She was like. That girl is smart. She's still alive. I'm going to be on Broadway, mama. No, she's going to be a real estate mogul, <laughs> as you guys will see. Oh. These were the days when the family had huge commercial freezers on their land. They registered their farm as a business, and they would hold frozen meat for people until they needed it. They also had about 700 pigs and hundreds of chickens running around. The animals were allowed to go in and out of the house as they pleased. 
Willie and his brother Dave had to wake up early every morning to slop the pigs. They would leave school to go slop the pigs at noon, then go back to school, go home, slop the pigs again, and then slop them again before they went to sleep. So at least they were like hardworking. There was, that's a lot of work. Go all the way from school back home, go back, and then you can't just be like, I'm going to bed. And you can see why people made fun of them. I'll slop them pigs. (laughs) Slop them pigs. Willie, Willie, Dave, slop them pigs. Yeah, so they so they probably smelled like pig at school. We'll eat the sandwich, Willie. We'll eat the sandwich, Willie. <laughs> Neighbors remember that the kids worked so hard on the farm that they often missed school altogether. They also remember that the boys were always filthy and smelled terrible, like poop. Yeah, well, you slop some pigs and go back to school. Of course, you're gonna smell like poop. Yeah, you don't got time to change. This mm. is a gym. <laughs> There was no shower at the house. In fact, Willie grew up with an irrational fear of showers and particularly hated getting water on his face. And occasional baths never got rid of the stink of the pigs. Man, I remember in eighth grade, we'd have water balloon fights at the end of the year. Yeah. That'd be terrible for him. He'd be so, freaking the heck out. Not the face! Throw, 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 it, at his, throw it at his rat face! But even then, his rat face! <laughs> that wouldn't even help, though. So they, could just, they just couldn't get rid of that smell. And good old Dave, he talked like Elmer Fudd. He couldn't say his ours. There's an account where these girls uh-huh. are saying he was always rude. He was his younger brother. He made fun of everyone and he'd get really riled up. And when he got riled up, you couldn't understand what he said either because he had that <laughs> high shrill voice just like his mother, uh-huh. but he couldn't say his ours. So he's like, whoa, you pesky wabbit. Get over here. Oh, wait a minute. There's what not a rabbit around here. What are you doing over here? So he's over here. Can't say... Can't speak properly. And then you have the rat face who's afraid of water. And then the the mom that's over there is all, oh, 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 come my beard, will it? Come my beard, will it? And the dad's over there just like, here I go shoveling pig slop. I'm going to shoveling pig slop. Well, actually, he was like, righto. 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 Pig shovel pig slop. Cheerio. My Here's- wife ain't got no teeth, see? She's got a beard dangling from her chin. But it's all right. It's all right. You know, got to love her. Distinguished. She's a nice, she's a nice lady. Sometimes Ma got a beard, huh? Right I don't even know what they called ladies in Cockney abroad or like a, I don't know. She was a handsome woman <laughs> in, the whole, in, the, in the modern sense of handsome. Years later, Willie would claim that this, that the reason for this was because he had no sense of smell which might go some way of explaining his indifference to basic hygiene. But it could also have been his standard defense. <laughs> so he's like, I don't smell anything. He I can't smell. What he are you guys talking about? He doesn't brush his teeth. He doesn't bathe. I guess after a this while, he used to it. This kid was ripe. He would wear the same clothes every day. You're all, what's that smell? Oh, my god. I don't gosh. smell a thing, guys. There's a story about his mother buying him... Brand new clothes one day, and she starched them. And Willie goes on and says, they really hurt, you know? Like, they oh, were really hard. hard. Yeah. And I didn't like them. So, <laughs> so I, I asked mom if I could take them off, and you know, and, and I did. And then I felt better putting on my old clothes. And then I never <laughs> wore them again. Because, you know, they really hurt. That's why I don't like new clothes, eh? <sighs> That's disgusting. Yeah, so she tried to give him some nice church clothes, starched them all up. Man, you know that that old lady was probably like, I'm going to do my son right at least one time. And he's all, what are you doing? (laughs) 
I like my stinky clothes, Mom. Well, they're all soft and broken in. Don't starch them all up. Probably starch them up like Dad starched up you his know, clothes for card- church. Cardboard clothes. Got those sharp creases. Walks around the <laughs> corner, just cuts down a wall. <laughs> Jeez. It was never one of Dave's excuses, though. He was as grubby and smelly as his brother, and it was now Dave, not his father, who was called Piggy to his face by the neighborhood. But he never seemed to mind. He's all embracing it. You call me Piggy? All right. I am now Piggy. You will kneel to me. Lord of the pigs. Bow to me. Then he rode a pig everywhere you went. Bow to me. <laughs> I'm my pigfall. I can't talk all. Not my pigfall. <laughs> Money was no real problem, recalls a woman who, as a teenager, boarded a horse on the farm for $25 a month. But the way they lived was something I'd never seen before in my life. They would wear the same clothes every single day. The boys would do the pigs and then come in with their boots on with oil and grease everywhere. Their relationship with their mom seemed very strange to me. She seemed too old to be the mother of these kids. She was a woman who wore rubber boots. Always had on a long shift dress over pants and always wore the same sweater. I'm like, get out of here, lady, you gossiper. She's all those. She's every time I put my horse over there, she got the same shirt. You on. got these rich folks coming around. <laughs> Can I keep my my horse at your stable? Please. I acquire well, uh, space for my horse. What you think about that? <laughs> Righto. Right. Twenty five dollars. Pip, pip. Then they're talking crap. <laughs> she seems far too old to children. These children. Ma said it's all right. <laughs> Go ahead. Statement number six. $25. Right. Right. <laughs> she said, I swear she had no hair and no teeth, but she had lots of hair on her chin and a thick mustache for a woman. Man, they're flaming her up. <laughs> for like, a woman. They said, try some pomade on that. <laughs> You ever had, you ever tried beard oil? You get that real slick right now. Oh man, it'd be really nice. <laughs> Husband will like it too. Put some little flowers in it. Oh, she had little beady eyes, and she was a talker. Helen had a loud, shrill voice, and would go on and on without people even cutting her off. I would just leave. I'd be like, All right. I'll be back. <laughs> Little did she know they were just talking crap right yeah. behind her back. Come on. They're like, oh, she doesn't shut up. Look at her in her mustache. I gave her $25 for the month for the stable. I just, <laughs> uh, I'm afraid. Ask her if she sells oats. I'm not going to talk to her anymore. <laughs> she won't just shut ask up. her if she sells oats. I don't want to go all the way to the next farm. <laughs> Do you, oh, Helen, do you sell oats? <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means. Let's just, let's just get out of here. I think we should just leave. <laughs> Put the money on the table. Put the money on the table. Put the money on the table. Get out of here. Unlike his older brother, Dave Pickton stayed in school much longer. He dated girls and seemed to be able to function more or less normally. But he got into trouble more than often and more than Willie did. And it was always much more serious than anything his older brother did. Dave got his driver's license and would peel off in one of his family trucks as often as he could. Early one evening on October 17th, 1967, he climbed into his father's 1960 GMC one-ton truck to take, to take it for a little drive. By 7.30, he had come down Burns Road from the north, turned the corner, and was heading home west along Dominion Avenue. 
No more than 400 feet away from Dominion Avenue, 14-year-old Tim Barrett was leaving his best friend's house. It was a beautiful, mild evening, and he dropped by to see if his pal was free. Maybe to work on building a model car or, or model airplanes. Tim's passion was to do this, but the other boy was busy. Tim left his friend's house that October night at 7.30 and walked further west along the shoulder of Dominion Avenue, heading in the direction of the Picton Farm. He was wearing slacks and a dark brown jacket and was walking with the traffic, not facing the oncoming cars. At 11 o'clock that night, Philip Barrett phoned Tim's friend on Dominion but spoke to his father. He wanted to know where Tim was. The father said later, I said no, he wasn't there and I hadn't seen him since the beginning of the evening. Philip Barrett and his wife Lois and these neighbors called each other several times that night. They called the police, but there was no news. Early the next morning, the two fathers met to search the road. So what exactly happened? Well, no one can say whether Dave Pickton was speeding, but it was certain that he slammed the truck into the young boy from behind, stopped long enough to see Tim's body lying on the road, and then fled home in a panic. His parents didn't hesitate. They examined the truck and saw that right away the impact was dented and the right front fender was damaged, making a deep dimple in it. Helen saw blood and other marks on the hood and the fender and the paint had flaked at that point of impact. Take it to the garage now, Leonard ordered Dave, and get a mechanic there to bang out that dent and paint over the scrapes and flaking paint. One of them took a cloth and tried to rub off the blood of the, from the truck's hood and fender. And then they noticed the turn signal was broken and the wire was dangling from it. Get the mechanic to fix that too, they told Dave, right away. But the thing is, it would be pretty weird to get the car fixed and to get the dance out and repaint the old truck that was beat up already. So yeah, like this truck was already all it was a farm truck crappy. So if they were to get like, oh, let's go paint it, let's go do this, it would be like, why do you you guys aren't like this? You're you're standing in in mud and poop. They brought the mechanic to the farm, and the mechanic came there and he said, well, what are you guys calling me for? This they said, well, to fix the dent right here on the fender. It all looks the same. And the mechanic, <laughs> you know, he later says. It was kind of odd because the truck was covered in dents. It was an old farm truck. Mm -hmm. And the paint has been flaking off everywhere. He said, so I went in and got a got a hammer and banged that one dent out. And then Dave asked if I could paint the truck. And I told him, get the hell out of here. I'm not <laughs> painting this truck. It's a waste of time and a waste of money. Yeah. And I just left. Hmm. So even the mechanic was like, what the, What are you guys talking about? Yeah. This guy's... You have this, this is an old farm truck that's beat up and he thought it was suspicious. So it's kind of when you see something like that, you're going to remember what's going on because mm -hmm. that's a very odd thing to do. These people lived a certain lifestyle and then you're going to go ahead and fix a, fix a dent in the truck. Yeah. So do you want to know what his mother was doing during all of this? <laughs> Shaving. She, <laughs> no, she, she, she went and got here. the barber. Hopefully. She actually went to where Dave hit the boy, found his body lying on the road drug him about 10 feet and pushed his body into a ditch where there was mud. And then she turned around and walked away. And she went to jail forever and ever and died in prison. <laughs> no, surprisingly not. No. Oh, it was the sixties. You could just kick a body over. And oh they're like, gosh. Well, this little boy. Don't do it again. What was he like 14? I think so. Yeah, he, he was, was a young. child. That's terrible. The coroner at that time found out that the boy didn't die from being hit by anything, but he had drowned in two feet of filthy water. Dave Pickton was only charged with failing to remain at the crime scene of an accident. He got probation and a suspended license. What are you doing, Canada? <laughs> what are you doing? I get it, but what are you doing? You guys need to fix this. They're like, the, dead, the boy's dead. 
if you would have stayed there, it would have been fine. But so, you left, so give me your license. So we're going to charge you for <laughs> fleeing the scene, not hitting a kid. Or manslaughter. Or, or or driving without a license. Or He didn't have a license. No, he did. He got his license. They so suspended, they suspended his it until yeah. he's... I don't... I, I read I they suspended it for a long time. It was a long time. But the mother, she was just like... <laughs> she wanted to go take care of her boys. She went, Leonard's all, hey, Helen. <laughs> right up. Right. Can you go take care of that for me? Oh, all right. It's done. <laughs> it's done. It's done. Oh, Lord. All right. All right, time to go slop the pigs, eh? <laughs> yeah, they were just so oblivious. Right up. This story. It's turned- like sorry. It's like I picture <laughs> Leonard like this this English gentleman yeah. with this. I know he wasn't distinguished, but it is so funny to think that he's with this shrill lady who just she drowned a kid. She just kicked a kid into. He a was dish. alive still. He was alive. And she was like, "I'll just push him over there," and then he ended up drowning. So I read he had a fractured vertebrae and mm-hmm. like a punctured lung, but he was he could have lived. Yeah, if they would have got there. When they got there, they well, could have no, saved him. He could have been saved after, like, he wasn't dying. He was slowly dying. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I'm going to drown him. All I'm going to do is roll him over. <laughs> Drink the mud. Roll him over. I got to take care of my boy. Oh, God. Well, he was, wasn't he? I think he was the baby, right? Yeah, he was it, the youngest. Oh, kid, parents out there. <laughs> you got to take responsibility for your children. Don't cover up an accident for your kids. My kids are going straight to jail. <laughs> You do something like that, I'm not, and then I'm gonna look at you, Straight and I'm gonna be like uh, the Goodfellas, just. Oh no! And now I turn my back on you, <laughs> and then turn my back on you. We're not doing that. Shunned. You're not killing somebody, and I'm, and I'm. No, we're not doing that. You made a mistake. We'll have to fix it. You're mm-hmm. gonna have to deal with the law. Just makes it worse when you do that. Oh man, what an awful woman. That's why we've been making fun of her yeah. this entire time because she's <laughs> not a good woman. She she killed a, a little baby. Yeah. Later, Willie told this entire story to the little girl who he had given those hot dogs to, Lisa. The men around Willie Picton had no trouble finding girlfriends. Even Dave had quickly replaced his former girlfriends, Sandy and Vicky, and Dave was no prize. Short, dirty-bearded, smelly, and foul-mouthed. And sounded like Elmer Fudd. (laughs) Yeah. But no one wanted to date Willie. The women who hung around the Picton farm, and there was many... They liked him as well enough, but they thought he was harmless and pleasant. While he didn't have much to say, he liked being part of the gang. But no one would have dreamed of dating him. He stank, and they all thought that he was weird. One of his favorite hobbies was collecting pen pals, especially female ones, and writing to them. His favorite was a girl named Connie Anderson who lived in Pontiac, Michigan. In 1974, soon after he turned 24 in October, he made up his mind to take a trip to go see her. It was the first holiday that he had ever taken. Before he left, his brother and some friends took him out to celebrate, and he got roaring, falling down drunk for the first and last time in his life. He hated to be drunk. (laughs) And they got him tore up. If you're not a drinker, that's not fun. No, you get the spins. Give them the alcohol. Oh, my gosh. I remember the first time I said, this will be my last time. Well, it's not. (laughs) I don't know how true this is, though, but he told one of his pen pals that he was offered a job as a male model. (laughs) You don't think that's true? Um, Good old Willie Picton. I think think he probably was. He was offered to be a male model. Well, he didn't even know what a model was or what uh, the job was even about. 
He said that they would pay him $40 an hour, but he turned it down. He said, what's a model, you know? Like, <laughs> what's a model? Not me. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a pig boy. I'm not a model. What's a model? I could picture him modeling just uh, well, a model centerfold. Is, of a model is someone who walks up magazine. and they take pictures. What's a model anyway? Eh? You know, like what's a model? <laughs> like he doesn't know what a model is. Yeah. <laughs> what's a model? You know, like not me. You know, like what's a model? Well, he lived on a pig farm. I'm just a simple pig farmer boy. Hey, <laughs> eh? what's a model? She's probably like, all right, I'm going to delete this. Mm. Oh, she's not deleting it. I'm going <laughs> to crumple this letter up and throw it. I'm, see, I'm, I'm digital. <laughs> I'm going to delete this, this pen pal letter. <laughs> when he made his way to Pontiac and met Connie Anderson, he considered himself engaged to her. She was the love of his life, he said. But she couldn't leave her job, and Willie couldn't leave his farm. Oh, Yeah. While he was visiting Connie, they were celebrating George Washington's birthday. Oh, good old George... <laughs> George Herschel. Wouldn't he, George? George Herschel Washington, Jr. the <laughs> third, Rutherford, Mayor the second. So this is funny because we, I mean, this is Canada. So Americans, we don't do really do anything. We just have, some people have like the day off of work or they do like a, I don't know, barbecue. This was the 60s. Yeah. So it says the tradition is to bake a cherry pie to commemorate the president's determination to tell the truth. Even as a child, his father goes, the story he had given that the boy had a hatchet and later noticed some cuts on a cherry tree in the garden. He asked young George what happened. I cannot tell a lie, George said. I did it with my hatchet. I shall not tell a lie. <laughs> I am John F. Kennedy. <laughs> oh, wait, no. That's, That's wrong, the wrong, wrong president. As many people admit, we don't know if the story is true, but we do know that the Americans revere George Washington as the embodiment of honesty and celebrate his birthday with a madness of cherry pies. I think this is fake news. This I've is never the- heard of celebrating George Washington's... Yeah. Re- I don't know. This we- is from the book uh, On the Farm, where I'm getting most of my information. Yeah, from. it's a Canadian book. We're going to have to go ahead and talk to older folks. I'm going to talk to my <laughs> in-laws. and uh, Our parents, they don't know, because they're brown. So they're probably like, I don't know. Just shut up. Just why? Why? Throw a cherry at you. Shut up. Cherry pie. We're not eating cherries. <laughs> We're not. Stop. Your dad's allergic to them. If he eats them, his throat will... I don't know. I might get a new, you might get a new dad. Oh. Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I don't know. That's weird. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, that's that's a a, weird when tradition. I read that part of the book too, I was like, huh. what are they talking about? Cherry pie. Cherry pies. Hmm. Oh, I get. Cherry <laughs> Maybe that's what it was from. <laughs> what year was this? This was 60. It was in the sixties. Yeah. Oh, I think that was in the seventies or eighties. So. <laughs> never mind. JK. <Yeah. laughs> so Willie added that he never wanted any pie. In fact, he said he was disgusted by the sight of all these crazy Americans with cherry pile over their faces. So what are they? They're just getting a pile. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, so he was oh, getting like annoyed. And oh, he was like, oh, just slamming pies in my face. He's walking down the street. And they're just <laughs> slamming pies in each other's face, throwing cherries at each other. So I don't he, want any pie. He gets a cab. The cabbie gets cherry, spit, spitting cherry pits out everywhere. <laughs> he's all, hey, buddy, what are you? Yeah, you want some cherries? Yes, you know, it's George Washington's birthday, huh? And he's all, what are we doing? That freaked me the hell out. It's time for cherry pie. You know what that means. Means. He goes, oh, ding, cherry pie time. My watch went off. <laughs> this is Are so you weird. from the future? We don't do any of that. <laughs> Special today. Come on, extra, extra. Step on up. Come yeah. on, get your newspaper here. Get George. your newspaper here. We got some cherry pie deals. 
Your George Washington cherry pie. Oh man, Holy. I might have to do that now. Now I'm a, now yeah. from now on I'm celebrating. Did we miss it already? I don't think we missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know his birthday. I think it's next month. Well, they know. merged all the. Pre- they said you know Lincoln, uh, Washington. Oh yeah, President's Day is next. Everybody, month. it's now it's called President's Day. But it, we used to back in the nineties. Hey, I get the day. We off. used to have all the days. Yeah. Now they just said, no, you can't have all the days. Now you we're can't. just going to give you one day. Work you to we're the bone. celebrate all the presidents, and we want our nine to five, <laughs> and you will get fired, Johnson. Uh, capitalism. It's pretty good. Crony capitalism sucks. Capitalism is <laughs> pretty awesome. Willie returned home, and his engagement fizzled out. It's 1979 now, and both of his parents have died from cancer. In her will, drawn up on March 18th, 1977, Helen named all three of her children as her trustees and required them to pay Willie $20,000 in cash right away, sort of like his father's plan for Linda. The rest of the money was to be paid to Linda and to Dave immediately, but Willie's share was to remain in trust, controlled by Dave and Linda. Although they were required to pay him the interest of his money on a regular basis, he would have to wait until he was 40 to collect his share of the estate. Willie was devastated by his mother's will. It seemed so unfair. His sister certainly didn't need the money. Linda and her husband, Brian Wright, had good jobs. Dave had his demolition business and his soil business. Contracts were pouring in, and he was hiring truck drivers and construction workers all the time. The fact that he was going to receive $20,000 more than Linda and Dave was cold comfort to Willie, who felt trapped. The only bright note for him at this time was the 1977 Ford truck he bought for himself for $20,000, probably the same $20,000 that Helen had first left him. But if Helen thought was to protect him, it backfired. Willie Picton was angry and frustrated, and he felt betrayal from his mother. Yeah, that's messed up. He's the oldest, and (laughs) his mother took care of everyone else other than him. I get what she's trying to do because she thought that she needed to protect Willie. Yeah. He's the big boy. Maybe she figured if he had all that money, he'd like get it. He dropped out of high school. We didn't say this, but I'll say it right now. He dropped out of high school because he had this little nudie pen. You remember those nudie pens? The nudie pen. Oh, I don't know if you remember the nudie pens. You might be Mm. a little too young. I remember the nudie pens. So you had this pen and you'd get it. Oh, like a writing pen? And you'd flip it upside down. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden the girl's clothes would come off. She cheese. And it would show all the goodies. And then you'd flip back over. So when you're writing, it would show like a regular pen. And then you flip it. And oh, all of a sudden, all, they're all, Willie, put that pen away. And <laughs> his principal was like, you need to get rid of that pen. And he goes, I can get rid of this pen. It's my pen. I can get rid of this pen. It's my pen. That's funny. And his principal said, well, it's either the pen or you getting kicked out. And he goes, I'm not getting rid of my pen. Oh, God. And he just said that that was it. That was a catalyst. He was done. Mm-hmm. He was done over a nudie pen. Don't, cool. don't take his pen. Don't take his pen. Yeah. Well, you already you already uh, took his his cookies and cream. Oh, yeah. You took his little little precious baby from him. And now he's trying to take his nudie pen. Now he's getting old. Well, he gets, gets, yeah. <laughs> hey, buddies. Hey, guys. He's trying to make friends. In high school, <laughs> well... Before the internet, everybody. Before the internet, everyone. Meet me. By I went the... to school. There was there was some internet, not much, but there was some. You still couldn't get into anything. <laughs> Everyone's like, he's typing a paper, and then all of our parents are like, I think my son's a hacker. Oh god! And it's like, no, he's just he's just typing. He opened Microsoft Word. He went to um, Alta Vista to search something. <laughs> <laughs> he went to he went to Yahoo. Oh god! Not Yahoo. 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 To search for something. Hmm. 
he has a Hotmail account. This isn't like, um, this isn't some weird thing. But before the internet, mm-hmm. if you wanted to look at nudies, you either had to have magazines or you had a friend that had those. His dad was a trucker and he had those, <laughs> uh, those nudie cards, oh, playing God. cards, yeah. and were nudie cards. Or you had one of those friends and they had a nudie pen. And it was all <laughs> So can you imagine in the 60s or in the 70s, this kid's trying to make friends. And well, I guess it was the 60s because now he's in his at least 30 by now. So it's probably in his 60s. or mm-hmm. And he's trying to make friends in high school. Let him keep the nudie pin. He's the stinky kid. He's not hurting anybody. Nope. But old slick, slick. It's all about Johnson. control. Slick Johnson from... Uh, <laughs> Back to the future. <laughs> He's all, you're a slacker, Picton. Oh, you're a slacker. And you know, hey, your father was a slacker, too. <laughs> what are we doing with slackers? Oh, and he's all, I'll he, take my nudie pin away. He had the ooh-la-la book. He did. That's what it was. That's terrible. Ooh-la-la. They took his nudie pin away from him. Oh. See, so this guy's just been beat up his whole life. Mm-hmm. Dropped out of school. Then his, his mom dies. and Gets screwed out of the will. And she's like, I gotta take care of Willie. Because... Willie, I gotta, I gotta take her <laughs> Willie. And Willie's my little boy. And then she croaked. And then she saw And then she died. <laughs> Famous last words. Or you gotta take care of him. So, you know, there's just tear, tore up. Just gave him 20 grand mm-hmm. and he gets to live off his interests and his other siblings are just rolling. Mm. Poor Willie. Wow. Willie loved his mother. When a policeman asked him about their relationship, he said, we were like two peas in a pod. That's weird. Yeah. So he, he really messed him up when his you, mom died. If you kind of like, that's kind of like an Ed Kemper vibe, you yeah. know? That like, was my mommy. Co-ed killer. Mm-hmm. Ed Kemper. Six, I think it was like six foot seven. He was a large man. Mm-hmm. And they, they used to make fun of him because he was like almost 400 pounds. God. And he, well, he was a giant. He was a behemoth of a man. And he was just... This is my mother <laughs> and Ed Gein kind of vibes, you know. It's a, yeah, uh, it's a, we, we're seeing a pattern here. There's a serial killer pattern yeah. here. So now it is 1980. Dave didn't want anything to do with his family farm. He wanted to go surfing in California. <laughs> catch my, those waves, brah. Well, my mom's dead, so I'm going to catch some waves. He met a man named Tony Hawk and <laughs> taught him how to do a... 900. 900. And they made he a said, video game. Come on, brah. I was born in 49, brah, and I still could catch these waves, brah. Bam Margera. Was it Bam Margera? Yeah. Bam Margera took after him, and Johnny Knoxville <laughs> is his daddy. Well, actually, he uh, wanted... that happen? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm sorry. He actually wanted to choose the life of his heroes, the Hells Angels. <laughs> Man, drugs and rock and roll, riding those Harleys. Vroom, vroom. But his was probably like... Vroom. That's his motorcycle. Vroom. So oink, oink. He just oh, had a pig. Oh man, I would, I would have a if I, I would lean into it. 
If I'm one of those picky guys, I'm leaning into. It. I'm getting a, a specialized. Pig, hey, it's a hog. Horn. It's a hog, and they'd be like, "What is it?" I'm like, oh, <laughs> "I got that hog because I'm the pig man chewing on a piece of I'm bacon." I'm the pig man. What are they gonna do? I'd be like one of those WWF wrestlers. Oh, God. I'm the pig man. Come over here, cause I'm the pig man. <laughs> oink oink. Come on, baby girl, you want the hog? <laughs> that would really uh, make them tough. But they didn't do any of that. Mm-mm. But he said that he wasn't brave or tough enough to do this, so he never did. <laughs> so he chickened out. Hey, everybody! I got a, I got a Harley. Look at my Harley. Look at my. Hey, hey, hey! Come on, guys! Come on! Look at my Harley. What? Get you ever snort cocaine and heroin? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm gonna walk over here. They're scaring <laughs> me. I'm. <sighs> you smell like crap. <laughs> Thank you, show. The local police started sniffing around their farm when rumors spread that they were running an illegal chop shop. The Mounties sent two young officers to check out the farm, and they eventually were involved in recovering stolen car parts and a bunch of other, uh, like, miscellaneous metals. Everyone? So the cat's away. The mice will play. (laughs) Mom and daddy are gone. They're dead. And it's time to just rob everybody. (laughs) Everyone thought that Dave was running the chop shop, but everyone who worked there or seen the operation said, no, Willie was the boss. Well, during this time, the local Mounties were far more preoccupied with catching a brutal serial killer who had been preying on children in the area. His name was Clifford Olson, a vicious con artist and psychopath who lived in a housing complex in Coquitlam during a killing spree that lasted 18 months from December 1980 until July 1981. Oh, man. So the Mounties weren't, they were like, you got a chop shop. This guy's killing people, so priorities. Yeah, and kids too. I mean. Yeah, they weren't really focused on the pig farm. Yeah, I'm I'm more worried about children than I am about you stealing cars. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I got a brand new truck. Don't steal it. (laughs) But if you're killing kids... If the cops have to go after some guy who's killing kids, go ahead and worry about that. Yeah. I got insurance. It's fine. I'll get. I'll be upside down. I'm sorry. But, you know, go take care of the kids. <laughs> yeah. But in the late 90s, Janet Henry, who found herself working the low track on the downtown east side, may have met a different predator. She was reported missing on June 28th, 1997. And it is thought to become another of Robert Pictum victims he had not been formally charged with murder for. So they think possibly this is one of his murders. Instead of that other guy. In 1995, Dave Picton had an idea for a new business. Since the nickname for his father, and eventually him, was Piggy, they figured they'd name their own business that. But it wasn't just Piggy, it was Piggy Palace. <laughs> Would you go to Piggy Palace? I, I haven't been to this place, but there's a place in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And we showed when we got there, they told us, you can't go to Cloud 9. Oh, no. And I was all, Cloud 9? What's Cloud 9? And they're all, it's a strip club. And we're like, okay, well, don't go there. Whoever is around Fayetteville, North Carolina, you'll know it's a military town. Mm-hmm. And the military town, you got pawn shop, pawn shop, liquor store, um, gun shop, strip club, 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 liquor store, liquor store, pawn shop, liquor store, liquor store, pawn shop, strip club, strip club, strip club. There's probably like 40 strip clubs in that town. God, how do they all stay in business? There's a lot of military. It's the second largest uh, army installation, Fort Bragg is. Oh. Then you had a little tiny Pope Air Force base next to it. So you got two branches, but a lot of military. Mm-hmm. So it'd say, well, don't go to Cloud 9. And we're like, why don't go to Cloud 9? There's, I mean, they'd say, well, go to all these other places. 
I can't even think of the names of the clubs because there was a there was so many clubs. The Dirty Harry Club, oh. <laughs> Gold Dust, <laughs> the <Sh> <laughs> the Stinky Linky. It's all new. I don't want to go there. <laughs> it was, but the, I remember Cloud Nine because everyone's like, "Oh man, it's Cloud Nine. and I was like, "Well, it sounds like." Why not go there? I'm going to be a cloud nine. That sounds fancy. So my buddy went. Okay. And I go, okay, so what was it like? He's never seen again. And he goes, oh, man, they had, you know, women with, like, limbs missing. Oh, and man. scars. And then uh, they would sell you drugs there. God. And there was a, a waiter. And I'm all, waiter at a strip club, not a waitress? And he goes, no, a waiter. With a big bowl of just loose hot dogs that were, like, Ew. <laughs> not in a bun. Just boiled hot dogs, just selling hot dogs. That is so gross. These dudes, these nasty men are eating uh, hot dogs at this place. So that's disgusting. I haven't been. I never went to that place. I'm a gentleman. <laughs> I'm a gentleman. <laughs> that's that's weird. But I've been to some places that have some weird names that are some mm. nightclubs. So I'll just go ahead and say, uh, yeah, I'd go to Piggy Palace. <laughs> okay. This name came to him as he was demolishing the Boo Pub. A notorious country and western bar in a little strip mall in Coquitlam. A bar so country, in fact, that it had saddles on the bar stools. Men in cowboy hats, plaid shirts, and jeans would gather for breakfast. Even though the food was terrible, the Boo Pub's wild reputation came from a nightclub at the back. A haunt for strippers, drug dealers, and bikers. Beside it were a wine and beer shop and a stop and shop convenience store. Although Dave tore it all out, he was careful to keep any material that would be useful for his newest project, a bar and a dance hall he planned to build in Port Coquitlam. If the cockfights could draw a crowd and make money, it stood to reason, he thought, that a booze can and a dance bar tucked away on a rural road at the end of town would be even better. The Hell's Angels even established their own hangout there. Yeah, they have little cockfights, too, at their stupid farm. Mom and dad are dead. Let's do everything illegal that we could do. They just We're going to do a chop force. shop. We're going to do a cockfight. And there was a bunch of Filipinos and Vietnamese there uh -huh. in that area and a bunch of uh, African immigrants. So you have all these different immigrants there. And I know people are weird. I get it. Cockfights, all that stuff. But there's a lot of these different countries that they do stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So if you could get in the money, the money flowing, we're going to do a cockfight. And we're going to do a hog a hog roast. Ooh, that sounds good. Right? So now it's like, there's entertainment. There's booze. They're selling it to us. Drugs. There's drugs. Hell's angels show up. <laughs> now all of a sudden, you got these, these ruffians coming in that are just like tearing everything up. And everyone thinks, at this time, this is the 70s, mm -hmm. the Hell's angels are the coolest guys in the world. Yeah. They don't care about nothing. They got all the women that they can handle. <laughs> and they just have... Just just a wonderful time, right? Mm -hmm. So you do all that. You do a hog roast. So now you're selling them hog sandwiches, you're selling some pork sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Oh man, this sounds like a good time. Oh yeah. So Dave had a great idea. You have you you take up he's doing demo. He has a demolition business, like mm -hmm. you said. It's a good moneymaker. Well, we're demoing a, a bar. Let's take all the pieces of the bar, keep them. Build another bar. Build another bar <laughs> on our property. Yeah. And then it's in the middle of nowhere, so no one's coming over here and hassling us. Mm -mm. And then we could sell booze and we could sell our our hog hog meat because they're that's their own hog roast. Mm -hmm. Uh Willie had a buddy who was a who was a butcher and he's this Filipino guy, and they would just tear up hogs all the time. Like, all right, let's go. How many people we got? All right, and they would just cook a whole hog. <laughs> 
sounds like a party. Yeah, I mean, oh man, we're gonna one day, one day, we're gonna we're gonna do a whole hog roast. Mm, I'll do it in my backyard. <laughs> sounds good. Dave wanted to have food available, so he brought in women who he knew that would do the cooking. He made cabbage rolls and shrimp. The food people say was good, and of course they served Willie's famous barbecued pork. Told you, he got that roasted hog. <laughs> you got to do the roasted hog because those cabbage rolls ain't bringing people in. No, no, and those shrimp rolls, shrimp rolls. I mean, I'll do some of that too, but you got to get that hog, man. It's roasted pork. Mm. Oh, and I bet you it came in with the head, everything. You just scoop that crispy meat off. <laughs> people, there's reviews of this place. You can look so, up reviews. People are like, man, I, I mean, I get it. But one star. It was pretty good. Hmm. No, they said it was good. Lisa Yelds got a job cleaning and waitressing at Piggy Palace, but she still has a grudge about the way she was treated. Dave Picton was cheap, she says. He only paid me $50 to work from 4.30 p.m. to 4.30 a.m. <laughs> See, I don't know how good that is because I mean, that was like the 70s. That's a 12-hour shift. So it's a 12-hour shift, 50 bucks. Let's see. How many nickel candies? Can carry you get? the one, add the two. It's it's a little over four bucks an hour. It seemed kind of like it was four bucks an hour. That seemed kind of good. Mm-hmm. She definitely was not feeling appreciated. Well, because <laughs> in well, they had a lot of money too, right? But you're a waitress making four bucks an hour. Hopefully, you get some tips. But in ninety ninety eight in California, minimum wage was like four fifty. Oh, well, then, yeah, she's making minimum wage then. In the 70s. That's how, that's why. Oh, I mean, that's more. <laughs> it seems kind of good. Like, she's making like 10, 12 bucks an hour. Yeah. Shut up. Linda or Lisa, Laura, <laughs> Lorraine. Lorraine. Lassa, Lassa, What's her name? <laughs> Lisa. Lisa, shut up. Complaining? <laughs> now, if he was grabbing your behind when you're doing it, I get it. Because then you got like, old oh, oh, Mr. Touchy Feely. Yeah. You, you don't, don't need to deal one. with that. You need to go to labor union on that one. Mm-hmm. But. If he's giving you four and a half bucks, you need to shut up. Just live with it. Everyone was excited about the new business, and Willie was no exception. Before it opened, all that the men who would work on for Dave could talk about was that the women who would be there for chance for a chance for unlimited sex, booze, drugs, and partying. Ooh, rock and roll, <laughs> baby. Rock and roll. For the first time in his life, Willie thought he might find a steady girlfriend of his own. He thought it was time to stop regretting his failed romance with Connie Anderson. He decided to clean himself up, put his best foot forward, take a chance, and clean himself up. Oh, that's good. He's taking a bath. He's he's putting some fresh clothes on. You don't have to starch him, Willie. Don't starch him. (laughs) He set himself an ambitious program of self-improvement. The first thing he did was get a wig to cover his bald head. Okay, no, 1970s wig is not going to look good on you. Sorry, man. He had heard that the hair club for men was the best place to get a realistic hairpiece, so he invested in one that blended perfectly with his own dirty blonde hair. How long has this company (laughs) been around? Forever, the hair club for men. He had hair that kept getting long, hanging down the back of his neck. So it didn't even blend in with his hairpiece. He had, like, the hairpiece and then... He didn't know how to trim it. I mean, this poor guy has never been taught... You know, no. self-decency. He's been taught to be a pig. That's oh, it. man. The hairpiece didn't last long. It hadn't occurred to Picton that it needed to be looked after, so he never removed it, and he never washed his own hair. So it soon became filthy. He'd crawl in her cars to do work on the engines, ignore the gobs of grease spattering in his head. Before long, they were stuck to the toupee. Finally, he had to throw it out. 
Oh man, come on, Willie! You gotta, you gotta take that off when you're under the engine. So I thought I could just keep it on forever. Man, you start doing an oil change, you gotta take that thing off, put it on that. That's why everyone has a little mannequin. You get a little pin it to the mannequin. <laughs> oh yeah, little mannequin head, and then you do all your business. Then you shower, mm-hmm. clean yourself up, then you brush that sucker out, then you go out cruising for chicks. No. Oh. And about this time, Willie Picton decided he needed a new house. He'd outgrown the motorhome and needed space for an office. So he bought a large mobile home with a white aluminum siding, hauled it to the back of the farm, and set it on a concrete slab. A front porch stretched across most of the trailer. The front windows faced down the road towards Dominion Avenue, but it was impossible to see the trailer from Dominion. It gave him more privacy than he'd had in the small Dodge motorhome. Well, everyone else is moving on. He needs to move on, too. Yeah. The Picton brothers incorporated their new business on Burns Road as Piggy Palace Good Time Society, and it didn't take long for the place to live up to its name. Although they liked to style themselves as community benefactors, throwing parties for charitable groups, the fact that the Hells Angels, who were the Pictons' neighbors across the road on Dominion, would take over the palace every few weeks. These parties were always closed for bikers only, and when they roared out on the parking area on their motorcycles in the early hours of the morning, They'd almost always head back to their clubhouse across from the farm for more drinking, drugs, and partying. Safe or not, people in the community started to complain about the parties at Piggy Palace. And after a visit from a poor Coquitlam inspector, the city tried to stop them. They took the brothers to court in 1996 in an effort to end the parties. But the Pictons fought back, insisting that all of their profits went to local charities and needy causes. It was kids with no legs! <laughs> But the truth is that almost all the people in the community knew the place as a wild party place with drugs and prostitutes. Oh, yeah. Those city officials are like, I'm trying to get some hookers. They're all, we're helping the community. I'm trying to get some. Well, they're talking to the public. So they're like, well, the well, sex workers in his are, face. they're saying the prostitutes need to be convicted. <laughs> get them out. And then in the background, they're over here like, um, how much for a 14 year old? Give me your nudie pin right now. Yeah, because they're nasty. <laughs> If you're in government, I'm sorry. I hate you and I don't trust you. I agree. You're all disgusting and you do <laughs> nasty things to little children. Yes. You need to stop touching oh, no. the kids. I'll get on a rant right now. I'm, wearing my, tr- I'm wearing my Trust the Government t-shirt on <laughs> exclusively on nightmaresofamericasmerch.com. Go ahead and grab yours today. Get yours today. We go from small to 3X. <laughs> Shipping within a couple of weeks. They, yeah. They're made to order, folks. But uh, <laughs> I don't trust them. <laughs> These places were gold mines, and running Piggy's Palace gave Dave big ideas for other bars. Now he wanted to buy the Wild Duck Inn, a local landmark and former, former biker hangout on the west bank of the Pitt River. The stench from the pigs wafted over the neighborhood and people especially the ones who had just moved into the new houses being built on former Picton land. They complained all the time. The Pictons just ignored them. Just as they ignored the complaints that rolled over, whenever Willie would rev up a tractor or backhoe late at night and start digging holes and shoveling shoveling piles of dirt. Sometimes he did this for all hours of the night. That's not suspicious at all. No, I wonder what he was doing. (laughs) Back in 1990... Willie became obsessed with a woman named Gina Houston. Houston was a sex trade worker herself, and that day she was spotting her friend, taking a note on license plate numbers and keeping an eye on her buddy. Willie was driving by when he spotted them. 
That day, Gina and Vicky were both high on drugs, and even though they still had a little left, Vicky thought it would be prudent to have some money in her purse, so they decided that they wanted to buy more. Vicky was working out an apartment in the downtown east side that served as a hangout for several prostitutes. Gina didn't really consider herself a prostitute like the other girls. She preferred to think of herself as a professional con artist, and if selling sex to a man allowed her to con him into giving her money, then it was worth it. It would be years before Gina ran into Willie again, but back at the first meeting, she remembers a man who was very comfortable picking up a prostitute on the street, paying up front, and then leaving out the driveway. A typical customer, a nice guy, in fact, she said. Willie began to spend more time in the downtown east side. He always parked his truck or motorhome in the front of Astoria and would amble in to buy drinks for the girls that flocked to his side. Often, he'd pick one to take home. Sometimes, he just drove around looking for someone pretty. He always liked a pretty girl. This was about the time that Gina Houston came back into his life. Lisa Yelds had moved to her new place in Surrey and Willie missed her. Lisa had been a buddy and a pal and someone that he had trusted. So they were best friends, so when she moved, it like devastated him. But she was tired of being paid $40 or $50 a night, I guess. Right. Yeah, <laughs> she said, hey, you gave me hot dogs when I was a kid, right? That was her? Yeah. She's like, you gave me hot dogs when I was a kid, but uh, your brother's a piece of garbage. <laughs> and he needs to stop grabbing my butt and he needs to give me more than 50 bucks. Yeah. Clearly, Willie didn't remember her from their brief encounter a year or two earlier when he took her into a car to have sex with her. They didn't talk when that when it happened, so he was just, you know, straight to business and then that was it. A few days later, one of Houston's friends from Skid Row, a woman named Georgina Lynn Dickens, asked Houston if she could stay with her in Port Coquillum for a while. Houston said yes. As soon as Dickens moved in, Houston discovered she too was friendly with Willie Picton. Before long, he began dropping by to pick up Dickens to take her to downtown Vancouver to visit her pals there. Lynn Dickens called him often, and he would phone her back to, to drop by. Right away, Gina saw him as a mark, and it wasn't long before he and Gina were best friends. In the early 80s, Kim Pemberton, a young, experienced police reporter, wanted to get to the bottom of the missing women crisis as she saw it. Police would have a daily briefing, and there she would ask the tough questions. You know, kind of like reporters do today. <laughs> the tough questions? Yeah, you know, like they would they throw big, uh, they throw our, our current leaders big beach ball questions where they could just knock them out of the park. <laughs> exactly. If the briefing was about a female homicide, she would ask, was it a prostitute? The police would roll their eyes and sigh. She was quoted saying, the police were not interested in prostitute murders, and they were they would loathe to connect these murders to prostitutes. She goes on saying they would also load to talk about serial killers. Remember the idea of serial killers. It was still a new thing. Mm -hmm. Remember a former FBI agent didn't coin the term serial killer until the mid seventies. Oh, that's really that soon. Yeah. Like recent. Yeah. So this was like a a brand new concept for police forces. Hmm. Police officers really thought there's no way someone would just kill you. And they didn't know you. Girl, what'd you do? Well, I didn't even know the person. No, that don't sound right. Yeah, well, hold on. What was her name? I don't know. Well, mm. do you know her family? No. Do you live by her? No. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Easy case, Johnson. Yeah, Shut case, it down. Case closed. Police forces didn't understand, and because of their egos, they were hesitant to ask for help. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sympathizing with the police force at all. Mm. I'm just saying that this is what their thought process was at the the time. Yeah. Serial killer cases were very expensive 
And the police forces and the public didn't want to waste money on, quote unquote, throwaways. Hmm. However, the police did know about a serial killer that was still active. His name was Gilbert Paul Jordan. So they considered anyone who was in sex work, throwaways. If you're yeah. homeless, you're a throwaway. They were just like, if you're indigenous, you're a throwaway. If you're anybody who's not part of the community, white, have a job, any like this, mm-hmm. then they're, they don't really care because it costs money to investigate these crimes. Yeah. And they'd rather just not waste the money. That's sad. So Jordan is thought to start his killing in around 1965. He was linked to killing around nine women. However, he was only convicted of manslaughter of one woman. One woman? Because they didn't have enough evidence. His victims were First Nations women in Vancouver's downtown east side. This man's MO, or modus operandi, was going into bars and finding women who would drink with him. If they didn't want to drink with him, he would convince them by buying them drinks or paying for sex if they were a sex worker. Hmm. Like he would go in, find an indigenous woman because he liked the, he liked the hot indigenous women <laughs> and he'd go, okay, so do you want to hang out? I'll buy you some drinks. And they're like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. And he's all, I'm working. Then he knew they were working girl. Then mm-hmm. he'd be like, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for your time. Hmm. We're like, okay, cool. Once the women were passed out, he would pour alcohol down their throats until they died from alcohol poisoning. Jeez. The deaths were not seen as strange or suspicious because of course, you know. These women were alcoholics. They were native. That's so dumb. And they were less than. Even though not all the women Jordan killed were sex workers, the newspapers said they were. So they could have been just a random native girl that was at the bar. Mm -hmm. But because this area, the downtown east side, was known to be predominantly sex workers. If you were in a bar down there. They just like lumped them all together. They lumped them all together. When looking up this guy, I was thinking, okay, how is he going to get these women to drink and himself not get drunk? Right? Yeah, you gotta if you're gonna say let's get a drink, you're drinking with them. And he and he was feeding them drinks. He was like, I get one, you get one. I get one, you get one. So I'm thinking, okay, he has to be a big dude mm-hmm. with a heavy drinking problem. And these women that he goes after have to be small women, right? Probably not heavy drinkers either. So a No, a lot of them were heavy drinkers. Oh, okay. Because a lot of these women that he did go after were sex workers or they were just they were down and out and they were bar flies. Oh, okay. So they did drink a lot. However, um, this man drank so much, he drank about fifty ounces of vodka a day. God, I don't know what ounces are. Is that because a bottle? I don't, I don't do ounces. I do milliliters and liters. Milliliters. So cups. for everyone else who does milliliters and liters, it's about a liter and a half. Hmm. So you know, you like buy buy a regular bottle of vodka. Mm-hmm. That's seven hundred and fifty milliliters. Okay. So he drank two of those a day. How did he not die? Or he drank a handle, one of those big bottles, the jumbo bottles of vodka, a day. So he he obviously had like a tolerance. He had a huge tolerance of alcohol. So that's why he would be like, okay, cool. So if we're going to drink, let's drink. I'm going to put him away because his liver was probably shot. Yeah. The police, they knew about this man. And when they would find a sex worker, a native woman that had just died from alcohol, they'd laugh and say, oh, we have another Jordan-esque. Oh, God, like joking about it. Yeah, they, they wouldn't investigate it. And they if, even if the woman had nothing to do with this Jordan guy, they'd be, they would joke, <laughs> we have another Jordan-esque, eh? Yeah, that's so sad. They didn't think that the resources should be used to solve these crimes. After the after all the pestering from reporters, reporters about the ideas that there was a new serial killer on the loose, an RCMP inspector named Bruce Tackleson said that the Mounties special unit for unsolved female homicide had found no evidence to support the theory of a new serial killer. 
They found no evidence or they looked for no evidence or they didn't look. They didn't even look. They didn't give a damn. Yeah, so they so probably like, didn't even look. <laughs> They're just talking to the reporter going, look, we found no evidence. We're working, guys. We're working. Yeah. But there's, there's, hey, there's a sex worker. Why the hell are we even talking about these women? Yeah. Let them, let them die. No one cares about them. And all these women had families and they had kids and they had people who did care about them. Mm-hmm. They were just in a rough spot. And they need help. The sex, work- sex workers themselves started to get involved in their own safety. They gave the police names of men that attacked them, and they kept bad trick sheets. Guys who would come in and they would then have sex with them, and then they'd beat them, or they would steal their money, oh, or they okay. would kind of so like kept they were rough, so they kept track, and then they were on the 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 bad trick sheet. So mm-hmm. they would share these things. They still do that today. A lot of these sex workers, hmm. they'll keep a list of men, and they're like, "No, we're not doing that." They even kept, they even had license plates and descriptions of the vehicles. In two years between 1987 and 1989, the list had grown to 70 men. The RCMP said they looked into the list of men they were given, but nothing was ever done about it. (laughs) Another problem beside the unsolved homicides in this area were the women who just simply disappeared. So I'm just talking, right now, I was just talking about women who were just killed. Mm -hmm. And then their bodies were found. Their bodies were found. Mm -hmm. They were killed. And they were like, oh, what a druggie. Or... Oh man, what a Jordan-esque, another alcohol girl. Of course, of course they were drinking. Of course these women are like that. Yeah. There was a large number of women who were reported in the downtown east side that just disappeared. Hmm. No one saw them again. A lot of these women, they would keep in contact with their families just because they were missing or quote unquote on the street or living in a hotel or something like mm-hmm. that, they would still call their families for birthdays. They would still check in on their children. Hmm. They would still meet at the holidays. Yeah. There were still people, a lot of people who have family members who are down and out like this. We know what that's like. Mm-hmm. You all have somebody, or if you know somebody, if you have somebody in your family who's down and out, you'll hear from them once in a while. Some family member check in. Oh, how's this person? How's this person? Well, they're not doing too great, but I checked in and then you get that kind of like feeling in your chest and you're like, well, I'm just glad they're alive or I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm hopefully something happens. If you, if you pray to a deity, hopefully your God or creator or something will, will get them through this. Maybe one day they'll turn their life around, but these women would keep in contact with everyone. Yeah. So when they don't keep in contact with them, the parents or the family members, the daughters, sons, their family, whoever they are. That report them missing. Yeah, it raises like awareness. They're like, well, we usually hear from them at this time. And all of a sudden, you just stop hearing from them. It's a little strange. A number of women went missing around this time. 49-year-old Linda Grant in 1984. Laura Ma, 42 years old in 1985. Cheryl Donahue, 39, also in 85. Alina Allenbach, 21 in 86. Teresa Ann Williams, 15 in 88. 42-year-old Elaine Dumba in 89. And Ingrid Soet, 30, in 89. So a lot of these women are indigenous. Yeah. There are a few names of women that families reported during this time. In 1989, a group of indigenous women living in the downtown east side, they came together and lobbied the police for action. They started talking to sex workers about helping each other out. Now, these weren't sex workers. These were just indigenous women that lived downtown. Okay. They told them to act as spotters for each other, write down plates, times, locations, description of men, just in case. Description of the vehicles. They gave all this information to the police when someone went missing. However, the Vancouver police, they wouldn't take the report because only family members could report someone missing. That's so dumb. So you could say, well, that's my roommate and her health card is with me. 
her identification card is with me. Mm-hmm. She hasn't cashed her her welfare check. Something. Well, how long has that happened? It's been two weeks. Are you family? No. Crumple the paper up, throw it in the trash. Sorry, only your family could do this. That's so dumb. These women even got together in February of 91, and they established a Valentine's Day remembrance walk. Finally, with all this effort, the RCMP finally decided to do something about it. They asked for the help of profilers to examine the behaviors of serial killers. Most, if not all, of the RCMP officers thought this was a bunch of nonsense. (laughs) The real police work comes from knocking on doors, getting fingerprints, interviewing witnesses. Not for some magic theory of behavior, someone said. (laughs) <laughs> that's so dumb well it's not they weren't they weren't even doing any of that though. stuff anyways no they weren't so they're like well you have to interview witnesses well did you interview witnesses they're a bunch of crackheads yeah they yeah so that's well, so dumb so where's the report i can't believe her let's take a look back at this time in 91 so it's 1991 mm-hmm. july 31st <laughs> my, my birthday my brother gabriel b hill was born I was six or seven years old. I think I was six. I was six years old, and I hated him already. <laughs> no, that's not oh, what happened. Punched me in the face. It was 1991, Bow. and the hit movie, Silence of the Lambs, was released in 1990. Oh, really? For all those who have never seen the movie, here's the plot. Jodie Foster stars as Clarice Starling, a top student at the FBI Training Academy. Jack Crawford, Scott Glenn, wants Clarice to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, played by Anthony Hopkins, a brilliant psychiatrist who is also a violent psychopath serving life behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism. Crawford believes that Lecter may have insight into cases and that Starling, as an attractive young woman, may be just the bait to draw him out. You see why the officers were skeptical. Mm, yeah. This is nine. It came out in late 90 and this is 91. Yeah. So, so they they're like it's a movie. You're not getting these movie guys out here going, <laughs> well, what does he eat? What was left in the victim? <laughs> what were we doing? And then the guy's tucking his Johnson between his legs Ew. going, would you hot me? Like, come on, man. Buffalo Bill's out here just being all nasty with skin on him. Like, these people, it's a movie, obviously, but everybody at this time, it's it's really interesting for a lot of our younger viewers. They don't remember a lot of this time. And in the 90s, it was still like, serial killers was still a really big thing Mm -hmm. because they were still getting serial killers because you had the egos of the police officers. You had um, uh, districts wouldn't talk to each other. And just technology, too, was so... Not the way it is now. There was no DNA evidence in 1990. Yeah. This is like the, the, this is sounding crazy, but the first big case in the U.S. where DNA was used was mm-hmm. hmm. O.J. Simpson. Oh, I was saying Night Stalker. No, it was O.J. Simpson. Oh, really? Yes. And that was like 90, that was in like mid 90s. Hmm. So when you think about it, DNA hasn't really been around like that much. Yeah. RCMP inspector Ron McKay was one of these skeptics. However, after he went to a training program with the FBI that lasted about a year, he became a believer. Not only was he a believer, he became Canada's Canadian. He became Canada's. <laughs> he became Canada's first profiler in 1989. Wow. He trained Keith Davidson and multiple others before the program was shut down for budgetary reasons because they were like, "This is nonsense. Of it's hooey." With the help of these two profiles, the RCMP assigned McKay 
And Davidson, 25 cold cases of murdered sex workers dating back to the early 80s. The project was titled Project Eclipse. Hmm. However, women still went missing during the time of the project. Also, what the RCMP didn't know was that Willie was making trips to a Vancouver Island job site with some of his brother's employees. They took the ferry and Willie drove his own car. Hmm. Interesting. He was up to no good. And that's where we'll stop. <sighs> this is a two-part episode. Our first two-part episode. This is our first two-part episode, everyone. Yeah. So I hope you guys liked all this information. It is getting wild. And mm-hmm. I know we're talking about this guy. We got real detail in him. And usually we talk about the native tribes and stuff like this. But this guy, he killed a lot of native women. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about the failures of the police department. We want to talk about the bias of the police department and get ready for it. We're going to get in some some terrible stuff. Oh, no. So if you like it, great. If not, uh, listen to this episode, like it. Listen to the next episode, download it, like it. And then go <laughs> skip to the next episode. Yeah. Because this is pretty wild. Yes, it is. Man. very Our very first two-parter. Feels and good. our very first serial killer episode. And we're going to get into more yeah. serial killer episodes because when we looked into a lot of these things, like the last one, that guy Jordan, he mm-hmm. killed a bunch of indigenous women too. And around this time, the RCMP, they did not give a gush, good gosh darn golly about anybody. They didn't. No. So we need, to, we need to put them on blast and we need to talk about these women because their stories need to be told. Yes. Don't forget to like, subscribe to all of our stuff. And if you did like this show, go ahead and, you know, give us a review. Give mm-hmm. us a five-star review. It really helps us out on the charts. And I don't know how Apple's algorithm thing is, but majority of our listeners are Apple podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. So please give us a five-star review. Give us a rating. And then go ahead and hit us up on info at behiltnetwork.com. Say, hey, I left you a review. It says peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time, <laughs> peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly. It says that. Or it could say like, um, Willie Pickton smells like pee. <laughs> oh. Pee meaning pig. Come on, guys. Don't be dirty. We're not doing all smells that like stuff. Smells like the letter P. He smells like the letter P because yeah. we're trying to be clean. <laughs> not like Willie because he's no, nasty. No, Or you could say Willie Pickton's mom sounds like a shrill chicken lady because <laughs> that's what she was with no teeth and a beard that killed a child. Oh, or you just say, these guys are awesome. They're pretty funny. Check them out. We love these guys, and please help them out. You could do that. That'd be fun. That'd probably be the best thing to do. Yeah. Don't forget to get on on that t-shirt giveaway. You can just go to Instagram or TikTok, like our post, like our post, follow us, tag someone. If you want more than one uh, entry, mm-hmm. you could tag up to five people. Do You tag more than that, but we're going to give up to up to five entries per tag. Yeah. So you go tag one, one entry, tag two, two entries. Tag five people, you get five entries. Tag 20 people, you still get five entries. So, (laughs) sorry, but that's what we're going to do. We're trying to make it even for everybody else, just so everyone can just get in on this thing. We have a lot of entries this time, so it's going to be really awesome. Also, don't forget to get some of your native swag on us. Just go ahead and go get, it's our stuff. Gabriel Behill, he designed all this stuff. Yes, It's amazing. I'm wearing a shirt right now that says, trust the government. It's pretty cool. With a bunch of skulls on it, with a headdress and stuff. Because it's sarcastic, because we never trust the government here. <laughs> we it, Nightmares of the Americas and Indigenous Tales, we don't trust the government. Mm-mm. They haven't given us anything to trust them about. All they've done is wrecked everything. I'm scared And now. then given, we have to give all of our money to them. In the U.S., we got to give them 40% of our paycheck just so they can not do their dang jobs and be Come millionaires. On. That's not fair. 
So go ahead and support us by getting one of these t-shirts. They're really awesome. We don't make that much money off of them. We just thought they were pretty cool shirts so Mm -hmm. everyone could check them out. Until next time. I'm Gabriel. And I'm Joseph. You'll be remembered by the tracks you leave. And remain close to the great spirit. One, two, three, four, four, five, 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 five,